This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I am an attorney retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as a insurance claims consultant and insurance claims expert witness, an author, and producer of these videos. Today we need to talk about the contract of personal indemnity and why property insurance is only a contract of personal indemnity. Contrary to popular belief, a homeowner's policy does not insure property. Rather, the homeowner's policy insures an individual or entity named as the insured against certain risks of loss faced by the home, its appurtenant structures, and personal property in the home in which the insured has an interest. As a risk-spreading device, homeowner's insurance only insures people, corporations, partnerships, and other entities against the risk of loss of property described in the policy. Insurance against the loss of property is a contract of personal indemnity. It only insures the persons named in the policy against certain risks of loss to property in which that person has an interest. A person who has an interest in the property but is not named as an insured cannot recover under the policy. Similarly, a person named on a policy who has no interest cannot recover because he has incurred no loss. As the California Supreme Court observed in Garvey v. State Farm Fire and Casualty Company in 1989, a first-party insurance policy provides coverage for loss or damage sustained directly by the insured. A third-party liability policy, in contrast, provides coverage for liability of the insured to a third party, such as a homeowner's policy, a CGL policy, a director's and officer's liability policy, an auto liability policy, or an errors and omissions policy. The term perils in traditional property insurance language refers to fortuitous, active, physical forces such as lightning, wind, and explosion, which bring about the loss. The cause of loss in the context of a property insurance contract is totally different from that in a liability policy. The right to coverage in a third-party liability insurance context draws on traditional tort concepts of fault, proximate cause, and duty. This liability analysis differs substantially from the coverage analysis in the property insurance context, which draws on the relationship between perils that are either covered or excluded in the contract. In liability insurance, by insuring for personal liability and agreeing to cover the insured for his own negligence, the insurer agrees to cover the insured 
for a broader spectrum of risks. This was stated in Montrose Chemical Corp. versus Admiral Insurance Company in 1995. Back in 1962, in a case called Russell versus Williams, the Supreme Court of California dealt with the issue of who could collect the proceeds of an insurance policy. Dorothy Russell, the plaintiff, and John Mauser, now deceased, whose estate is being administered by Dorothy, while husband and wife owned the subject property as joint tenants. Mr. Mauser continued to live in the house after the divorce until his death. Before he died, Mauser obtained a policy of fire insurance covering the improvements on the property, which was issued to him as the sole insured. The premiums were paid from his separate funds. Six weeks before Mr. Mauser's death, the house was destroyed by fire. The proceeds of the policy representing the full value of the destroyed premises were paid to the administrator of Mr. Mauser's estate. Mrs. Mauser became the sole owner of the property and sued to recover the proceeds in question, alleging that the defendant estate became indebted to the plaintiff, Mrs. Mauser, for monies had and received for the use and benefit of the plaintiff. The court recognized that it is a principle of long-standing that a policy of fire insurance is a personal contract indemnifying the insured against loss resulting from the destruction of or damage to his interest in that property. This principle gives rise to the supplemental rule that in the absence of a special contract, the proceeds of a fire insurance policy are not a substitute for the property, the loss of which is the subject of indemnity under the contract of insurance. As a consequence, Mrs. Russell has no claim to the proceeds of the insurance paid to Mr. Mauser's estate upon the ground that they are proceeds of the joint tenancy property of which she is now the sole owner. By reason of, a, of joint tenancy law, at Mr. Mauser's death, Mrs. Russell became the sole owner, free from any claim of interest therein by Mr. Mauser's estate, of all the real property. Since Mrs. Russell was not named on the policy, she received the empty lot and the estate kept the insurance proceeds. The fact that insurance is a contract of personal indemnity and does not insure property seems in universal. For example, in Smith v. Jim Dandy Markets, a 1949 Ninth Circuit case, the court found that regardless of Smith's interest in the building, he suffered no loss from its destruction. In Lighting Fixture Supply v. Fidelity Insurance, the Fifth Circuit found back in 1932 
The policy as written was in the form of an open policy, complete in itself and unambiguous. An insurable interest is the relationship or connection a person must have with the subject matter of an insurance policy in order to insure it. In order to have an insurable interest in property under a contract for purchase, there must be a valid contract in existence, both at the time the policy was issued and became effective, and at the time of the loss. When a contract to purchase property terminates, the purchaser's insurable interest is extinguished. Where an insurable interest does not exist at the time the contract for insurance was made, the insurance contract is void from its inception. Similar decisions exist in Texas and even in the U.S. Supreme Court. An insurable interest is necessary for every first-party policy of insurance and is required if there is to be insurance. In Beck Con Inc. versus Amco, an Eighth Circuit decision in 2010, the Eighth Circuit concluded that under Missouri law in general, a person has an insurable interest in the subject matter insured where he has such a relationship or concern in the subject matter that he will derive pecuniary benefit or advantage from its preservation or will suffer pecuniary loss or damage from its destruction, termination, or injury by the happening of the event insured against. The insurer may protect itself by strictly defining the interest covered by its policy or by obtaining representations or warranties about the state of the title if it deems this information important. What it cannot do to, is to issue a policy, collect the premiums, and then argue that the value of the insured's insurable interest in the property is less than the coverage it underwrote. In A.B. Petromark v. Ali T. Badian Insurance Agency, a Michigan Court of Appeal was asked to determine who was entitled to recover under a policy and what is an insurable interest. The court concluded that under the clear language of the policy, the only named insured was a company, Petromark, while Bazi signed the insurance application. He is not named anywhere in the policy. Indeed, the policy provides that AB Petromart Inc. is the sole named insured. Thus, without being a party to an insurance contract, Bazi cannot maintain a breach of contract claim against the insurer. It was clear that the contract itself did not provide any basis to conclude the Prime One undertook any promise directly to or for Bazi, and he, even though he had an insurable interest in the property, was not an insured. Similarly, I could take out an insurance policy 
on my next-door neighbor's house and pay a premium. And if my next-door neighbor's house burned down, I could collect nothing because I have absolutely no interest in his house or its contents. And therefore, I have no insurable interest sufficient to maintain a policy of insurance. This video was adapted from my book, The Homeowner's Insurance Policy, which is available from Amazon.com as both a paperback book and as a Kindle book. It's also available and with detail from my website, Zelma on Insurance, by clicking on the link to the Insurance Claims Library. Thank you for your attention. If you found this video to be useful to you, please pass it on to your colleagues. And if you wish to know about further information from these videos and the new videos, subscribe to the blog and you will receive not only articles, but notice about each and every new video as I post them. Thank you again.